Welcome to the Cigar Snob Podcast, which we are now recording, since I pressed the unlike record previously. button, unlike for the last minute and a half or so. Uh, I am Nick Jimenez, and I am joined by an as-yet-unlit Eric Calvino. What's happening, y'all? And the always-lit Ivan Ocampo. I like that. Deuta. Nice. Deuta eso. I like that. So, on this episode of the podcast, we are going to be talking some some basketball. We're going to be talking... Some Oliva cigars. We're going to be talking some travel, past and future. Uh, we're going to be talking wine. We're going to be talking. What aren't we going to be? We're going to talk about every, about everything. God, so many impeachments? things. Impeachments. Maybe impeachments. Somebody might get impeached on this podcast. One of the three of us. Who knows? By the end of this podcast, it might be two of us. Okay. So there's that. I don't so know. So there's that. Who knows? I hear Yami has been talking to the Ukrainians. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but using you know not firsthand knowledge. Right. So she she was just uh she overheard a conversation someone was having about a conversation. Exactly. And she leaked it to the Ukrainians. Good morning. So <laughs> all that and more when we come back uh, from on the other side of this commercial break. A word from our episode sponsor Drew Estate. Introducing the Herrera Esteli Brazilian Maduro, which features a dense plantation-grown Magafina wrapper over a Connecticut River Valley broadleaf binder with fillers from Nicaragua. Showcasing the floral and earthy Brazilian Matafina tobacco with unique texture, the Herrera Esteli Brazilian Maduro is manufactured at La Gran Fabrica Drew Estate, blended by Willy Herrera and presented in five Vitolas. It's now available at Drew Estate retailers nationwide. Okay, on this episode, we are smoking the Cane Daytona in Corona. This might be is this our first uh, cigar Vitola rhyme on the podcast? The Cane Daytona Corona? Ooh, I like that. Yeah, I think, I think it is. It I think this might be our first, first rhyming rhyme, yeah. Vitola. So, uh, the rhyming Vitolas. The rhyming Vitolas. It's an old timey group back in. Cane, uh, Cane and the rhyming Vitolas. Yeah, yeah. Back in Kansas, they, uh, they toured <laughs> the Middle America. Oh, yeah. So, uh, the Cane Daytona Corona is a 6x46. This cigar is. Nicaraguan filler and Nicaraguan binder wrapped in an Ecuadorian Habano wrapper. Um, I have blanked on what this retails for, but uh, while you guys are talking about your first impressions of the cigar, I will come back to you after having looked for that price. Yeah, I like I like this cigar. It's uh, it's not too strong, right? Cane canes are typically strong, but the the Cane Daytona line not that strong. Which which is the strong one? Because I when the we say KNF, KNF, yeah, the stronger one. Yeah, the KNF is, uh, you know, the 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 interesting thing is right. The cane they, the cane line for the most part has that footband. Yeah, and so even when you rate it, you never really see uh, the label. And it, when someone's smoking it, they just they take it, so you don't even see it. But um, but anyway, uh, to the, in terms of the flavor itself, I love it. It's uh, it's got like a little nutty, uh, light. Light pepper and spice to it, light bit of wood, so it's like a delicate but creamy uh, blend. I, I enjoy the smoke, and the size is awesome. Size right? is awesome. I don't know size. if this is unique to Toledo nah, products, it's but it's just very common. Whenever we get uh, these canes, I always get like these uh, these six by whatever is it? What it's is it? Because 46? that's the one I always go for. <laughs> Whenever awesome. I buy them, that's what I buy because I love this size. It's a great size, yeah, but they taste delicious. So it it uh, from what I can tell, a box of twenty four of these uh, retails for about one hundred and thirty eight dollars. 
So yeah, that's inexpensive. Yeah, five bucks and change per cigar. I mean, that is an excellent, excellent deal. Um, so we've mentioned on the podcast, you know, we talked about these being strong. There's also the super strong double F mm-hmm. variant of these, which I don't think is in in like full. It's like a, it's not a production right. cigar, right? Right. But that's funny because that's one of those. Uh, whenever we land in Nicaragua, uh, Maria Jose or MJ, as she's known from Oliva, will always uh, make sure that that she has a bundle of cane double Fs uh, to give us because we're like the only lunatics that right. that smoke that super strong cigar, and specifically my sister Yami, she loves that cigar. Yeah, and it's a strong cigar, but it's it's very smooth. It's not uh, it's not strong as in in your face strong it's a nicotine strength right so it's kind of the strength that you feel an inch into the cigar you go oh crap this right. is actually really strong even though it's not tasting strong yeah so and that's kind of how like, this is right like i get sort of like a creaminess and a nuttiness yeah uh, nutty yes yeah. yeah yeah very nutty smoke so. for sure for sure Super but with a light with a nice complement of of spice, just yeah. a, a tiny bit, which is uh, really well balanced. Super into the fire. We, we got to do more, do more coronaing around here. Yeah, I know. Corona, Corona's... it's just not, it, it's not a size that sells particularly well. Right, right. But for the smokers, it's, it's a, it's such a perfect size. Yeah. Right. For guys that, that like us that smoke a lot of cigars and we want to we taste the wrapper a little bit more. Uh, and we don't want to smoke this Churchill or six by 60 or something like that. This is like the. A smoker's size. Right. So, speaking of uh, smokers, mm. you, were with, you were with Spe- us. Speaking, speaking, of speaking, speaking of Coronas, you were in a place with a more of a tradition of royalty mm-hmm. recently. You were off across the pond in uh, in Europe with a bunch of Europeans. Good day, mate. Good day, mate. Good day, mate. That's good. That's so, question good. one: how many European. how many shrimp were put on the Barbie? <laughs> you guys are you guys are special. You guys are coming good today. Was, coming what strong. Was, what was going on over there? Did you uh, you know? Did you do a lot of European things? I did. I did. Did you have a souffle? Uh, I went. I went total total Euro step. Uh, Yami and I the went. Uh, we went to Inter Tobac, which is the. Uh, international tobacco fair so all things tobacco related uh so it's kind of like the ipcprs for us here this is like the the rest of the world's ipcpr so you have cigar manufacturers distributors stores you have vape companies e-cigarette hookah uh snuff anything tobacco related uh is there cigarettes machine made cigar cigarillos and uh and also they even have like an industrial section where where they uh they exhibit the machines that are used to make cigars or the machines to it's crazy it's like everything tobacco related in in one massive uh complex of halls so very different from ipcpr in that ipcpr is quite strictly premium cigars and pipes right uh the other thing that's very different is everyone is extremely well dressed, like uh, you know, yeah. in, in true European fashion. So there are no Hawaiian shirts and flip flops over there. No, like you'll see one guy poorly dressed and he sticks out. Whereas, say at IPCPR, you walk around in a three piece suit and you stick out. Here, no, everyone's extremely well dressed. So, uh, so that that's uh, an interesting twist, right? Very yeah. different. They also don't, they don't give away a ton of cigars like they do at IPCPR. 
right? There's there's all kinds of regulations. So you like probably if you sit down at a booth to go buy a to place an order for for your store or whatever, you may have a cigar while you wait. But it's not like you're tasting it to see if you're going to carry it and it's a very different business over there. Uh so anyway, a very uh interesting show. We had then there's things like uh Jay Cortez, which is a company I'll talk about a little bit more in a second, but Jay Cortez is the parent company of Oliva. Mm-hmm. And every day at the trade show, like 10 minutes before the trade show closes, they do a dance, like a choreographed dance that they've been practicing Whoa. for months. Yeah. Who, who, wouldn't you say they? Is it like the staff? That's yeah, it's uh, Fred Vandermeer, the owner, who we've had here on the podcast. Okay. Fred, his managers, it, you know, it's it's a good good sized group. I actually posted it on on uh, Instagram while I was out there before I lost my phone. Uh, I I did one. I showed one of the dances. It was it was pretty good, and uh, so the the idea would be like hopefully some other cigar companies kind of catch that bug and do a, a dance and then kind of, you know, it could be like a rivalry between other companies. So is I was it, on a mission to try to get other companies to do it. Is it like a hip-hop dance or salsa or what are they doing? Uh, you know, like a like a group dance, you know, like a, like when Ring. you're on a cruise ship and you do those dances, uh, right? But this has been choreographed. Like they hired a choreographer. Slide. Yeah, it was, it was well done. The Cortez slide. The Cortez slide. And then he ends it like Fred slides across the, Ooh, like, the power playing. slide. A little power slide playing a guitar, but it's not an air guitar. It's actually a, a little cigar. Playing <laughs> so, a cigar? Yeah, that was pretty badass. Oof. So uh, anyway, really, that was fun. But Jay Cortez is a company that that's part of their culture. It's it's we work hard, but we play hard. We have fun, right? That's that's kind of their thing. So uh, so their, their uh, daily dances were fun. Uh, the trade show, there's a lot of beer. Like there's companies that... That give you beer while you're at their booth. Also very different from the trade show here. Correct. And, and the other thing is like at the trade show here at IPCPR, you'll have like Rocky Patel pours beer every day. Yeah. But he pours it in a plastic cup. So people just walk up, take a beer and then leave right here. They give you the beer in like uh, the, the glass that is made for that particular beer. And it's a beautiful glass, and you don't walk away with it. You're in, you, you're in Germany, though. I mean, Red Solo Cup works here in the United States. Um, we don't we don't have to do that in Germany. No, I, I get it, but it also works very well because since you don't just leave with the cup, yeah, like you do at at, at the U.S., you know, you stick you stick around in the booth. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, so anyway, and and the quality of beer was just amazing from booth to booth. Right. Uh, also, I was impressed by the quality of the machine-made cigar, cigarillos, little cigars. Did you try anything? So we've talked before about the Balmoral stuff. I yeah. think when we – I forget whether we were doing the podcast at the time, but I think at some point in the podcast we have talked about when we had some of that machine-made Balmoral stuff. Did you try any machine-made stuff that you'd never had before? Yeah, yeah. I, I tried a, a small company. I actually met the family at the Jay Cortez dinner one of the nights of, of Inter Tobacco. And uh, so I met the family, super nice people, and they're a, they're a small sort of boutique, right, if you can be a boutique machine-made cigar manufacturer, uh, called Olifant. They're Dutch, very nice people. Uh, no relation to Timothy? No relation to Timothy, but spelled the same way. Okay. And uh, I'm lost. Actor. Timothy Olifant, the actor, uh, who's always on Conan O'Brien. And Anyway, so, so I had that. They, they gave me a, a little box. I, I swung by their booth. Their booth is like maybe the most beautiful one of them all. 
and uh, and they gave me a little box, and that it's I smoked that the rest of the way, uh, like at night at the end of uh, the dinner, I smoked that on the walk back to the hotel, when I dropped off my sister and I was going for a walk in the little town that we were staying, I smoked that on the walk. It's just like super euro. It is European, but it works. Like if you've got this short walk, so I had like a a twenty minute walk to to the Alton Markt, which is like the the market area of the town. Um, you got this twenty minute walk. You don't want. I don't. I don't want to blow a cigar like and just waste a cigar that that it's going to take me an hour and a half to smoke. So I smoked this little twenty minute thing, and it was enjoyable. And it was a hundred percent tobacco. So anyway, I enjoyed that. Uh, other interesting things about the show: it, right before the show, there was a bombshell uh, Scandinavian tobacco um, merging with Agio. That okay. was a huge yeah. bombshell, yeah, yeah. right? But I mean, it was you like everyone's talking about. You'd walk into someone's booth and you'd do whatever talk you were going to talk about their business, and then a little while later, it's like. What do you think about Agio selling? I mean, it's a company that's a 115-year-old family-owned company selling out to the biggest uh, cigar company, one of the biggest in the world, Scandinavian Tobacco. So uh, it was the, the the whole company was blindsided, which was I was surprised. None of them knew anything about it until we all heard the news on Monday. Wow! So that was shocking, but uh, but you know. Those guys also a tremendous family, the Agio Winnermans and that crew. So we we had planned before going out there, we'd planned to have dinner with them. And in spite of all this news and the fact that who knows if whatever relationship we have is necessary in the future, who knows? They still, you know, they're like, we know that you guys were going to have dinner with us. So and we still had dinner and had a great time. Uh, so uh, Will Yo and, and Jamie and George, really good dudes. So we hung out with them. Uh, yeah. So anyway, the whole show is just a, it's a very different experience than IPCPR. Yeah. Very different. So, uh, so that was cool. I, uh, and, and obviously since the reason that we went out there is because we're going to be doing this European version of the magazine or more international version of the magazine. So I suspect that we'll be going to this trade show every year from now on, probably cool. uh, assuming things go well in that new endeavor which people were very excited about over there do we want to say anything about that like is it in a place where we want to talk about it or i I don't think we're ready other than yeah we're we're working on a uh on a quarterly magazine that is a version of our u.s based magazine uh that we will print uh most likely in germany and distribute uh to the rest of the world uh from there so we don't have much more than that we're uh we're working on on all the advertising and all the content and how that's going to work and all that stuff. And even the printing. So there's not much more to talk about it than that. Okay. But uh, another cool thing we did is uh, Yami and I went to Belgium a couple of days before the show. And we visited Jay Cortez's, uh, one of their machine-made uh, cigar factories. So that was pretty cool too, man. Yeah. Those guys are just, they're so hospitable. They're such good hosts. Uh, beautiful dinners and it just... Just wonderful people, the Vandermeer family and and his team, kind of, uh, they they all follow that same philosophy, right? Of just mm-hmm. good hospitality, good people. Let's work. Let's do what we have to do, and then let's have fun. So, uh, so anyway, thanks to uh, 
thanks to the Jake Cortez crew, everyone at, at Into Tobacco who, who helped us out, like the guys from Oscar Valladares. We actually rode in with them one day, uh, Orlando and Oscar. Uh, just everyone out there. Obviously, Rocky. Rocky's always a great host with us whenever we're out there. Because Rocky's like a superstar. In Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, he he's he's a superstar here as well, a, a cigar superstar. But over there, it's like, because uh, he was one of the first major premium cigar companies that are not Cuban, one of the first to kind of just go all in over there and do events and do other things. Well, and over there where you, you don't have as much of a presence of the non-Cuban brands, you also Correct. don't have as many cigar personalities who are like, I'm the dude. Yeah. So... He's kind of cornered the market, I guess, in a he way. He did corner the market. Uh, the same things that he did to uh, to grow his brand here, he's been doing over there for years. So he was ahead of everyone else in doing that. And so always a good time. We actually ran into Rocky when we were leaving Dortmund. We go to the train. Yami and I go to the train station. The doors to the train station open. And this is not like I know that people think that that the Rocky stuff is is blown out of proportion, like how big he lives. The doors to the train station open, and there's Kolya and Rocky standing there drinking beers. Like, it wasn't, like, they have just (laughs) massive magnums of beers in their hands, and they're drinking beers. They're on their way to Oktoberfest. And it was just them. Just, it's just, this is just us. We're, yeah, we're drinking beer. Hey, you want some beer? I was like, what are you doing, dude? (laughs) Like, it wasn't planned. It wasn't anything. Uh, So it's just funny, man. He's a uh, he's a great dude. Like if if you if you get a chance to meet Rocky at an event, uh, man, go up to him and say hi. He is he's just a character, and he's just such a good dude. And he's fun to be around. He's funny and he's charismatic. So anyway, uh, hanging out with him is always a good time for us. Pressure's on, Rocky. Better be charismatic if people say hi. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you have to worry about that. Um. So to round out the Europe thing. Looks to me from these show notes like you and Yami may not have come back. There was a, yeah, we were, our lives were at risk. Uh, I took her to to a highly recommended restaurant in Paris, uh, 114 Fauberge. I don't know how to pronounce that, but I think I did it right. I don't know. Fauberge? I don't know. You, how's, sounds, your, how's your French? I, I, we already know no, how not good. It just sounds like a perfume. <laughs> it does sound like a Fabergé. It does. And it actually looks like it, but that's the address of the place. And it's at the Hotel uh, Bristol. Uh, which is a very, a very nice hotel. Here we go. Anyway, this Hold on. Everybody th- hold on. Oh, you're looking up the pronunciation? Faubourg. Faubourg. Really? Ooh, With the wow. G- hard you, G at the end? So totally. says Google. The Google lady says Faubourg. Huh. Faubourg. All right. Faubourg. So 114 <laughs> Faubourg. That's where we went for dinner. And then afterwards, we were tired of taking cab after cab after cab. And she wanted to see the Eiffel Tower. By the way, we did all of this for her birthday. Right? So... She wanted to see the Eiffel Tower. She's like, I don't want to leave Paris without seeing the Eiffel Tower. It's like, okay, let's rent a scooter. And let's just ride out to the Eiffel Tower, which is... Sounds risky. An incredibly risky idea. Sounds risky. Cops were looking at us funny because it's... What the fuck are two, these two doing? <laughs> two lunatic Cubans on a scooter. Like, one scooter, and we're both on it. And, uh, and we're riding through traffic. If you've ever been to Paris, you know that it's... Are you, are you are you up front? You got of your of course. I am okay. the, I don't know. I am the captain. I am the captain now. <laughs> so, uh, so we're you know Paris is like roundabout central, right? It's rotunda after rotunda. It's okay. like straight and then rotunda, straight and rotunda. 
And so doing those rotundas in a car is already a little sketchy. Doing it on a scooter without helmets or anything was special. Should have told me I would let you borrow my helmet. I know. We needed it. Uh, But but then we were... At one point, I managed to find my... By the way, we were going... She couldn't let go of me, right? As as she's riding in the scooter behind me. She couldn't because it, it, it was a little scary. So she has no way of using the GPS. So we are going basically by sight in the direction of the Eiffel Tower. And we're like taking rotundas. Okay, that way. Okay, wow. And we're following it. And at one point, we end up on the Champs-Élysées on the scooter. <laughs> it was like... It was like a movie, right? I, Benny Hill, obviously. It was. It was. It was like a, a, an episode of Benny Hill. I don't know if our audience is old enough to know Benny Hill, but tweet us. Uh, do you know who <laughs> Benny Hill is? So, uh, little disaster over there. Huh, little Nikki? disaster. So, little so anyway, that was a just a damn good time. And then when we got up to, we were a little far away, and from from far, Yummy's saying, "Yeah, you know, I thought the Eiffel Tower would be bigger." <laughs> I'm telling you, it was like a movie. I thought it'd be, I thought it'd be bigger. I thought, that, I'm like, yeah, I mean, we're still not close to it. Get, give it a second. We'll, you know, it will impress you when you get up to it. And sure enough, man, when you get up to that bridge right next to it, it's just look at it's me. Majestic. <laughs> <laughs> it's majestic. You didn't think I had much, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and then, and then, funny enough. I'm taking a picture of Yami with the Eiffel Tower in the background, and then I hear right behind us. Oh man! And it's a dude and a woman on a scooter doing the same thing we were doing. Yeah. But the guy made the mistake of being afraid of the traffic, so he went through the sidewalk. And the sidewalk is packed with people. You can't do a scooter, a motorized scooter, on a sidewalk. And uh, and so he had to dodge people. He ended up just, I mean, they were a mess sprawled all over the sidewalk in paris but uh but anyway just a, a damn good time and she loved her birthday so that's all that mattered good stuff happy birthday to yami by the way where's yeah, the horn september 21 there we go by the way everywhere we went at enter tobacco every booth yeah sang her happy birthday nice it was it was awesome good stuff all right so we are going to be talking about other things but first a word from El Galang Cigars, episode sponsor. El Galang Cigars is the company behind its core El Galang line, Doña Nieves, and extensions of both, and they bring you Vegas del Purial. Vegas del Purial is an homage to El Galang founder Felix Mesa's paternal grandparents, Felipe and Caridad Mesa, who grew tobacco in the Cuban province of Las Villas, also an homage to their farm. The cigar is made at El Galang's Esteli factory and features an Ecuadorian Sumatra wrapper. Nicaraguan fillers and a new hybrid tobacco called FFMC96 for the binder. It's available in four Vitolas, a 5x50 Robusto, a 5.5x52 Belicoso, a 7x38 Lancero, a 6 and 3 quarters by 52 Super Toro. The cigars range in price from $8.90 to $10 each. You can follow El Galang on all the social media things at El Galang Cigars. That's E-L-G-A-L-A-N Cigars, or on their website at ElGalangCigars.com. That's El Galang Cigars, El Galang Cigars, El Galang Cigars. Wait, wait, wait. Yep. You're talking about El Galang Cigars? El Galang Cigars. Oh. So, now, we're going to be talking about while you were off having your European adventure, mm-hmm. Ivan and I were here having our own little private Chilean adventure. 
Ooh, Chilean adventure. Chilean adventure for you. <laughs> it's going to be bad for you. So um, we had Massimo of Casillero del Diablo, which is a, uh, uh, you know, pro- is it fair to say? I think it's probably fair to say that is the best known Chilean wine producer, at I least in the fair. U.S. market. Uh, yeah, one of the. Yeah, like very ubiquitous. Um, I, I, I mentioned when, when he was here that uh, when I was living in Wisconsin, that was like, you know, the sort of, all right, if I, there's a bottle that I'll always have at home. That's like the thing that I'll always pick up at the grocery store just to have like a daily uh, thing. Um, so anyway, they brought over uh, three bottles for a blind tasting. They are promoting their 2018 vintages um, as, uh, what, what, I forget what the, is it an exceptional vintage? Uh, extraordinary vintage, I'm glad. Yeah. It, it's a good vintage, uh, is, is the way that they're presenting it. And we did a pretty cool uh, blind tasting. So, uh, Ivan, you want to describe for the people uh, what the what the setup was here? It was a very elaborate uh, setup that they uh, they had for us. They um, the purpose of the of the tasting was to try to start uh, picking out some of the aromas and flavors that these three different varieties of wine that they brought for us had. So they set up uh, these. Uh, stemless glasses um with a small amount of water and they uh put these different um i guess aromas into each one uh for example there was like plum uh fig i saw violet, the paper i wasn't here but i saw uh, on the paper yeah violet plum raspberry cassis. blackberry cassis yep. so a variety of different um aromas and flavors that were present in these wines and then we went ahead and he was a Massimo is a very knowledgeable uh, wine person. I think he's he seems like he grew up in a vineyard in Italy, and he, for the last fourteen years he's been living in Chile. Yeah, this is uh, Massimo Leonori is his last name. I should have said that before. But. Very very knowledgeable wine person. Uh, so we were going through all the flavors and is aromas. He, is he with like him. an ambassador type of role? Because he's not in production, is he? Or is he? He, I don't know. he it seemed like he lived uh, in at the in Chile at the winery, and he was more in production because he he was way too knowledgeable. I, I'm sure he's an ambassador as well, but he's just way too knowledgeable about the tw- terroir. So he's uh, he's their head sommelier. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so we're going through all the flavors um, blind in what we were uh, smelling and tasting. And then we were going through three wine glasses, black wine glasses with the three different wines that they brought us. So you couldn't see like the the color of the, of the actual liquid. Couldn't see the the color. Because that would have helped you, right? Like you would have immediately known, ah, this is a Pinot, right? Versus a cab. If you could have seen the color. So they made it a black. I don't cheat like that. I would have closed my eyes anyway. Oh, come on. Yeah. Maybe maybe cheaters like you would know. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) He doesn't cheat, he says. So anyways, we went through everything and. Moving on. Yeah. Yeah. Moving right along. Uh, Again, I just. The the main gist of it is I I get a lot from from just being with very experienced uh, wine experts as Massimo is yeah. and going through what they're, what they're smelling, what they're tasting, and then trying to pick that up in the wine glasses. Yeah, so then we did a little, like, like little test to see if we can pick up the aromas from each glass. So you and, stuff. and Nick did a test. Yeah. 
Correct. Uh, and and who won this test? I think I I I, I beat out Nick by a smidge. By a smidge. By huh? split yeah. decision. Split decision. Yeah. So it was it was three wines. Split decision implies that there was a tie, and that then. That's what a split decision is. Right. Well, right. no, no, a split decision would be that there, there were... There's a tie-in points, and then so-and-so wins it by split decision. Right. No, 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 no. It would be that there were multiple judges, although in this case, there were three there bottles only... of wine. Okay. But no, because you, you could not have a tie-in points, but you gotta, it's whoever wins the most judges. Correct, but in this case, there was only one judge, so I was I was saying that there was a tie-in right. points. Right, but I'm saying that we... we so, here's, so here's the way that the thing worked. Hmm. So we tasted each of the three wines, and for each of the three, you had a multiple choice. And there were four uh, uh, aroma, aroma components. components. And so you had to identify which of the three of the four were in there. And so I correctly identified the three in one of the wines, and I even got two of them. Hold and on. How many, total, yeah, how many total correct answers did you have? Well, the thing is, since you were picking three of four, you really can't. But was yeah. what, just it was, well, how many it was you... my, uh, was it six points to eight points out of a possible nine? Okay. So you got six correct. Yeah. And I got? But the numbers are silly because you can only get. Okay, I'm just trying to understand what the, where the split decision <laughs> I it, from, if you got less correct than I did. I'm just trying to understand. I, I, knew, I, was, I knew. I felt <laughs> that there was tension in this conversation. He, I wrote, already, he wrote it down. I didn't bring, you brought it up. I didn't bring it up. I knew okay, that you there brought was tension. That's it why I brought up weird. the split it decision thing because it looked it like there was going to be some tension. It looked incorrect. Yeah. <laughs> so, in your eyes, Ivan, I just want to be the mediator here, uh, the arbitrator. In your eyes, you soundly beat him. In his eyes, you just squeaked by and beat him by split decision. Okay. If the Heat were playing the Knicks and the final score was 99 to 98, did the Heat win by split decision? No, no, they won. They won, right? They won the game. Okay, cool. No, I, I don't know if they beat him soundly or if it was blow, but they just won, right? It wasn't a split decision. They won. I will say that I've, I, I think that I've won the war because from before the thing even started, I was I was in his head. I was in his head, and I think I'm he still did. in his no, head. No, I he, have. He did. He would have a permanent a whole spot. bunch of shit while we were trying to. I, no, it was just, so subtle because he would put he would he would fill in a bubble on the paper, and I'd go, hmm. And he'd like look <laughs> at me, and he'd like look back at the paper, Big and like time. should Big I time. should I scratch Big it off? Questioning. So much questioning. misinformation coming my way. <laughs> I love it. I, uh, I knew, I'm glad I brought it up. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, no, there's really no split decision there. There were not ah. three judges, uh, but yes. Uh, so there were the three bottles. Did we already go over what the three varietals were? It was Carmenere, Pinot Noir, Cabernet, and, caviar. and a Cabia. Uh, did you have a personal? What, favorite? Yeah, I was going to ask you which one did you guys like the most? I actually like the Cabernet. I don't think I'd ever had that yeah. variety before, and I enjoyed it. Uh, he said it was very similar to like a Merlot or um, to like a. If you had to compare it to like. Uh, Argentina wine, which is Malbec, which is their uh, yeah. uh, main varietal. He said it was very similar. I think it's their second most uh, popular varietal behind, I don't know, maybe. Uh, I forget. It yeah. might have been a white. I think it might have been maybe. because it is a colder climate. But uh, it was it was nice. It's soft, uh, not very overpowering, very balanced. I, I liked it a lot. What about you, Nicholas? Uh I, I think I also like the Carmenere, but I think I'd go with the Cab if I was pairing it with a cigar, which we didn't do during this tasting. But if I was—that was my next question—is that whether you said Massimo does not smoke? No, he doesn't. He he said that he had smoked uh, years ago. He's not a cigar smoker currently, though. Um, so yeah, 
But he also was a, I think it's one of those cases where, not I think, he said he was a cigarette smoker also and occasionally smoked cigars. Yeah. So I think it's one of those cases where like somebody just quits smoking cigarettes and swears off all tobacco in general. Yeah. I think that was more. I think we would have had another glass of wine. We could have gotten him we to smoke. Gotten I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was in a little bit of a rush. So they actually, I, I would even consider like, uh, especially if you're in a bigger market, although it seemed like they were doing some smaller markets in Florida on their way up. Uh so they did a uh, happy hour at the Mondrian uh, in Miami Beach. And then from there, um, I forget where in Florida they went, but it seems like Massimo's on a little bit of a tour. So it's probably worth, um, uh, and if, if there is a link to check out, or maybe follow Casillero del Diablo on social media and all that stuff. But there's a good chance that you live in a place where there will be an event coming soon. Uh, and it might be a cool way to get to know some of these wines and to meet this, you know, uh, this sommelier from you know one of the the better known wine producers uh, at least in this side of the world um do you know whether they have much of a presence in europe that's not something i got into into with them but i don't know how much europeans are drinking chilean wine yeah i don't know probably you know, not it, much but it's tough like even uh for example at uh how did google say to translate at 114 Fauberg. yeah Fauberg. Fauberg. at 114 Fauberg, uh which again is in paris you look at the list uh and the majority of the list is is just French wines, uh, and then there's a section on other reds, right? And and there you have Spain and Italy, uh, and then you've got other whites, and then you've got Germany and and Austria. But but there was very, like almost no New World, maybe none. So yeah. I didn't see it. If you know these these. Uh, these Michelin star restaurants are, they sort of lead the way and then everyone else follows. Uh, I didn't see any on the list in terms of Chile. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know how much they do over there. Maybe in a place like Spain where where the name Casillero Diablo may, may resonate a little bit more. But, but I honestly don't know. So with that, we're going to cut in here with a little bit of the spiel that we got from Massimo. Oh, okay, cool. So uh, like you saw in the video, the... 2018 vintage was really uh, outstanding in Chile. Uh, we had really good climate conditions um, and we get um, really good balance, complexity and a fruit expression in the wine, very intense fruit expression. Um, why that? If we go back to the climate condition, the, the winter uh, was um, was rainy, cold and rainy. Um, that was good to enrich the soil and the vines and and prepare to the uh, growing season. Uh, after that, we went through uh, spring that was uh, uh, dry but uh, warm, uh, without frosts. So the um, the, um, the grapes start to grow really healthy with no pest, no humidity and then the summer uh, was uh, not so hot mm -hmm. uh, was influenced by the Niña phenomenon so uh, was a kind of fresh summer and that allowed to, to reach a, a long maduration season uh, that is also important uh, when we we have really hot summer the, 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 
the grape ripe really uh, fast and we cannot get the the, the right balance and and after, when we start uh, the the harvest in the in autumn at the beginning of autumn march april um, we didn't get a drop of rain until medium of may so we could harvest without rush and uh, we waiting for the perfect moment to harvest all those conditions doesn't uh, appear every year so that's why we decided to launch this campaign uh, for this extraordinary 2018 vintage and we also decided to make this kind of tasting um, in order to um, show this uh, incredible fruit expression of the wine in this vintage so we we created this mm, tasting that is um very particular we do only with uh, some journalists or some our sales representative um we we cannot do it with everyone right. um, but we have also a digital campaign where people can challenge online with a different challenge they have to guess for the variety uh, but uh, uh, following some instruction that i give on, on the web but this one is much more uh, entertaining. No? Right. <laughs> so we have here eight different aromas that we selected, and all those aromas are coming from uh, flower, floral aroma, red fruit, black fruit, uh, dry fruit, and spices. Uh, those aromas are all of them naturally present in the wine. Uh, some of them are present in the in the grapes. Other come out after the natural fermentation and aging of the wine. Uh, it's not that we had we had artificially essence or aromas to the wine. Right. All is natural. So this this is a challenge. That at the end. At the beginning, we need to um, to train our senses, our sense of smell with those aromas, and uh, try to familiarize, familiarize, and understand, and um, put all the aromas in our olfactive memory. And then, we, the second step, that is the the big challenge, is try to uh, find which of those aroma are present in each wine okay and we're back before we start talking uh talking hoop as some people like to say talking hoop uh we're going to come back to the cigar so again we are smoking the cane daytona corona which is the only way i'll ever say this from here on out uh the daytona corona again is an ecuadorian habano wrapped cigar six by 46 with nicaraguan fillers and binder um how are you guys feeling about it? And Ivan, since you're the one... Oh, no, you've, you've tasted all these, too. How, what would you pair? Uh, which of these Casiero de Diablo cigars would you pair with it? Well, you know, I, I don't know, because Sorry, at this Not point... Not the Casiero de Diablo cigars, the wines. Casiero de Diablo wines with the cigar. So, first, let's talk about the cigar, uh, where it's at now, because I'm, I'm not quite halfway. I was a little bit behind you guys, and I think all of the Euro talk uh, slowed me down even more. But you guys are a little farther along. But even for me, it has 
increased a bit in intensity. Of flavor. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, has the same thing for you? No, not really. You're still about the same? Yeah. Adobe. Uh, so, well, for me, it, it feels a little bit increased. So I was originally thinking the Pinot would work well with this uh, when it was more delicate. But now I think the slight uptick, uh, I may go with, with either the Carmenere or, or the Cab. Um, I'm with you there. Yeah, I think it would overpower the Pinot. I think the no, I think the sweetness of the Pinot is a little overpowering. So I think the the subtleness of the Caminere or uh, the little bit a little bit more acidity and alcohol in the cab would balance out well because I think the Pinot would be just a little too sweet for it. So I didn't I I, I mean I tasted them yesterday. Um Briefly, I did not spend that amount of time. You felt the Pinot was overly sweet. It's a little on the fruity side. I mean, yeah. that's that's what I mean, my that li- a, like that's yeah. what I usually buy for my wife. Yeah, uh, it is. It's good, but I think you know if you like that fruit, you want to check my right answers on the uh, on the exam. There, <laughs> where, where are they? Where are your? <laughs> Let me see. No, this was mine. Uh, this was mine because I remember I took your sheet and I wrote winner by split decision yeah, put, on your put sheet. Put that away and then let's go get the right ones. <laughs> let's go get the good ones. Well, actually, no. We can because this was just like a one wrong answer thing. We can surmise. Well, I, I don't know which ones I should have replaced with. Hmm. Um, what was the third one we had? The Pinot? No, the Pinot was the first. Yeah. Yeah, you would have probably gone up in intensity, so you yeah. probably went so Pinot, would, Carmenere. So, so I, I remember, I should not have gone black pepper here. I got a little black pepper, just a little black bit. Black pepper. And I also, the violet is so subtle, wherever it is, that... It's making excuses? Is that what that no, 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 I'm just saying, this is my, you know, everybody's palate is different, you know? <laughs> uh, but yeah, the uh, the right answers were raspberry, violet, and cherry. So yeah, I, I would probably try this with the, with the Carmenere. Yeah. Um, but that's just on prior knowledge of that no not not so much uh that i tasted and i thought that oh this is the perfect pairing for this but um but what about you nicholas i agree with that I, I think normally uh like of the three wines i i like uh the idea of a cab better but the you know the cabs are going to be maybe a little pepperier and i think in those pairings i prefer for the pepper to come from the cigar than from the drink uh for whatever reason that may be i don't know uh, so for this, you know, I think the Carmenere kind of, you know, is, is a nice kind of middle of the road of the three. And I think it would go well with that, like kind of creamy nuttiness, even though it is strong, right? It's a strong cigar, but in flavor, it's not that like strongish. Yeah. But it's not that aggressive peppery, you know, uh, profile. So I'd probably go Carmenere for this cigar. So anyway, with that, uh, it actually, I just tried it right now. Yeah. It doesn't, uh, yeah, it doesn't do so poorly. So it, it actually pairs kind of okay. On the on the aromas, we got black pepper, raspberry, violet, blackberry. Sorry. Black pepper, raspberry, violet, blackberry. Which do you not get? On this? Yeah. Black pepper, raspberry, violet, blackberry. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we are swishing and nosing. Mm. We're just talking aroma, though. But these are only aroma. Yeah. Give me the. Keep in mind. So the, I do get some. I got one. I got one of them wrong, so I didn't tell you anything. But it's the it's the middle one. So the choices are black pepper. Yeah, because this one does have some black pepper. This has pepper. Okay. So, I would say that it doesn't have it doesn't have violet. I think that's the right answer. 
Yeah, I say that it has out of these four, uh, black pepper, raspberry, and blackberry. It has does not have violet, is what I would say. So, so there you have it. There you have it. I don't you, think that anyone cares. You know, <laughs> you know who's uh, who's a little salty though. Mm. People who have been ranked forty three and below on Ooh. ESPN's ranking of the top one hundred. NBA basketball players ahead of the NBA season. So the idea here is that they are kind of like projecting who will have the best season. Because I did read the thing, and that that is kind of what they're doing. So this is ESPN's uh, ranking of 100 best right. uh, NBA basketball players or, for yeah, this season. For this coming season. Yeah. How they will sort of end the season. Yeah. Right? It's, it's okay. worded at least in a kind of weird way. But that's, I think, the, the charitable, easiest way to... Wrap our heads around it, and they have put Zion Williamson, who has yet to play a single NBA game outside of the uh, summer league, at number forty-two. So, pre any NBA games, Zion Williamson, forty-second best NBA player this season, is the projection. Where okay. do you where do you stand on that? So, okay, and just Since... and, and to give it a little context, we'll say who's number forty-one and forty-three, right? So. Uh, sorry, I'm looking at the list ending with uh, with 100. So we are looking at 42 is Zion Williamson. That puts him um, ranked higher than Kevin Love, Miles Turner, Aaron Gordon, DeMar DeRozan, and just lower on the list than number 41, LaMarcus Aldridge, 40, Nikola Vucevic, and Kyle Lowry at 39. So just to give you a sense of like where they're placing him here. So when I saw you putting this in there, it it sounded weird. It's like how could you put a guy at forty something if he hasn't even Has played him, a yeah. single second in the NBA? Yeah. All he's done is summer league. Right. I think maybe one way to but think of it I is like I if you got to put your team together know, now, and you I did can't not trade. know we were trying to project how they would end up at the end of the season. Yeah. But but going on that, I mean. There's only five starters in basketball, you know, and whatever, 30 teams. If he ends up, I mean, he's got to be at least the second best player at worst on the court for your team of all the starters that are in the NBA. So he can't be passed. He's not past 100. Uh, But he can't be... He's probably not better than 20 or 30 without even playing a second. So I, I think the number is okay. All right. So give you, to give you context here for like locally for the Heat, right? You have, uh, I looked it up. Jimmy Butler is 21 mm-hmm. on the list. Uh, Justin Richardson, who the Heat traded to the 76ers, 86. And uh, Bam Adebayo, 81. Yeah, so he's like I said, he can't be better than twenty or thirty, and he's not as bad as a hundred. So going by that, he's not better than a Jimmy Butler without even playing a second. But he's better than a Bam Adebayo for sure. Gordon Hayward from the Celtics, yeah, sixty-five. Big signing, right? Remember that? Yeah, but then that Mark also, Gasol, I think it's okay. Sixty-one. That all then you bring in. It's kind of similar to the question of like who's the MVP and does it matter what team you're on and you know all that stuff because. I, I get those arguments where Jimmy Butler would, but I, if I'm just saying like, okay, everybody, nobody's got a team. I'm putting my team together. Where does Jimmy Butler land on this list? 
I don't know that I'd take Jimmy Butler over Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan, Draymond Green, and all these guys are like in the 30s and 40s. I take him over, in that example, over Lowry, but not ahead of DeMar DeRozan. Yeah. Well, so here's the, I think what gets lost in all of this is we're talking about Zion Williamson. Right. And his 42nd ranking. Uh, so I just looked while we were uh, yapping here. Uh, where do you think uh, Steph Curry is? Did you look? High. Where? Where do you put him? Top five. Okay, the list has him at six. Where do you think LeBron James is? Top five. Top three. They have him at three. Who's one? I don't know. They haven't announced that yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, but so if you've got here, I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll just read them down to you. Uh, so you got Paul George at 10, Damian Lillard at 9, Joel Embiid at 8, uh, Nikola Jokic at 7. He is good, though. He is awesome. Uh, Steph Curry, 6, Anthony Davis, 5, Harden, 4, and LeBron Tress. So who's left? Who, who's yeah, I have no idea. Harden, 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 and LeBron. So wait, you Curry. got what? Well, Westbrook's got to be the. No way. Well, he's not on the. I haven't seen him yet. Oh my god! So they have him at one or two, and then who's the other? There's no way I put him. Yeah. Oh, uh... oh shit. So anyway, that that's what I think is lost in all of this. Yeah. Is that the news item was. Zion, what's 42, lo- but... What's, what's lost but is, hell is who's number the one? best player in the NBA, yeah, 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 we have exactly. no idea. So, who they're projecting to be the best player in the NBA this year. Very interesting stuff. Maybe it's Dwayne Wade. Maybe. Kobe. Oh, no, I take it back. They got Russell Westbrook at 12 here. I just I hadn't seen that yeah, yet. That and scrolled sound, up that. That didn't sound right. Well, so who who the hell is left? Anyway, yeah, we're not, I don't know. We're I not don't good know. enough at this stuff. I don't too. know what to do. I'm lost. Anyway, so there you have it. Let us know. Where would you put Zion Williamson? Um, I also think it's it's not irrelevant that Zion Williamson, regardless of talent. So uh, what about Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard? Is that? Oh, there oh, you go. Oh, Kawhi Leonard's got to be up there. That's one. That's yeah, one yeah. Although, what's Durant's injury situation right now? He's gimpy. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're, he's they're obviously projecting that he's going to be probably making him the best player. Yeah. I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway. Okay. So, there you have that. Um, now... I think this is probably going to be at the bottom of all of our lists of desirable food items. The Miami Herald reported that in a uh, partnership between Night Owl Cookies and Dos Croquetas, there's a limited-time deal on a chocolate chip cookie stuffed with a ham croquette. So the question is, do you want one? Absolutely not. It's going to sell like crazy. I think they'll sell every single one, and I think, think so? they're going to be gross. Disgusting. Yeah, I'm not yeah. into it. I think there's enough people who will be like, oh, I want to be able to say I did that. They'll be able to sell just to all the Miami influencer types who want to be able what to do take you mean? a Those picture. Those people always want to get comped. They don't buy anything. Yeah, but there's the aspiring influencer types who are still like in the 50 follower range, and they want to work the their way up. 50 follower range. They need to get their croqueta cookie picture in. Oh, that's going to like catapult them? Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. It's, a, it's a requirement. I hate the evolution yeah, of like the it. croqueta and what it, what's like happening it. to the, it. Yeah, I don't like it either. The croqueta is fine on its own. So we'll we'll put a link to this story by Carlos Frias, who is the uh, food editor at the Miami Herald. But I'll uh, I'll read you a little bit of this. Um, James Beard Award winning. James Beard Award winning. That's right. Whoa. 
So Night Owl Cookies, which became Miami famous for delivering fresh baked cookies late at night, long before Uber Eats, partnered with the hit Dos Croquetas Croqueta Bar in Westchester, which is right near our office, sort of, uh, to genetically engineer this creation, which I think might be a very loose definition of genetic engineering. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> not, not James Beard quality work there, Carlos. So they call this Sparks. cookie the Three Doe Five. Get it? Mm. No, that's, a good, that's probably the best part five. about it is the name. So this is a quote from a press release about it. The exclusive Hispanic-themed treat is a true match made in Miami. And this I disagree with even more than the idea that anybody should eat it because there's nothing Hispanic-themed about this match. There's a croqueta in there, yeah. but there's nothing Hispanic-themed about it. The fact that you put it in it. If you had made like a croqueta empanada, okay, you get it. A croqueta flan or something. That's, that sounds bad, too. <laughs> it's, I'm, not, I'm not saying that any of these are good Go ideas. Go pitch them the idea. <laughs> I'm in. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to pitch them. I'm running with this myself. Oh, I'm sitting on a $1,000 so. idea here. I also want to, like, on a separate note, uh, I don't know if you guys are all looking at the story right uh, now. Yeah, it, it doesn't no. look like Carlos really liked the idea. No, no, he hated the idea. Okay. He totally trashes it. I uh, will not be lining up to taste croquetas, croquetastein. <laughs> yeah. Frankenstein, croquetastein. Uh, yeah, so a uh, separate comment here. What is up with food blog people taking pictures of their food in their hands in the most impractical, gross, like, let me get as much of my hand on this food item as humanly possible way. It, it reminds me a lot of cigar Cigars, yeah, very, with a lot of big, similarities. thumbnail. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's, like, too much, like, nobody holds their cookie the way these people are holding their cookies, and it bothers me. Like, people should take the picture while it's in their mouth, half-chewed. You know what? That's at least a normal part of the process. Right. <laughs> like, they're at least staying true to the process of eating a food item. Sorry, but the, the photo just looks disgusting. It's terrible. It's so bad. The chocolate-covered croqueta, it just it just looks terrible. And it's like the goal is to make it look extra gross by, like, breaking it apart and putting it all over your hand. And, ugh. All right. Even well, the, yeah, for you especially that you don't like uh, certain uh, food textures. But, but I don't mind. Uh, the textures of this, I don't think I would mind because I like chocolate, right? Like uh, melted chocolate. It's nice. I mean, it's kind of gooey, right? But it's not like creamy. Okay. And I like croquetas. It's just the holding it that way. And like dos croquetas does kind of a similar thing. Like I like the product, but I've seen pictures that they do themselves for their marketing. And they'll like, they overfill the condiment cup so that when they take the picture, the sauces are spilling all over a table. And it's like, why? You don't need the sauce on the table. I don't want to do that. Why would you? Why, why do you encourage this? Mm. It's like it's like like Nick, two year olds soapbox. like two year olds eating croquetas. Like learn how to use a condiment. Who does this? <laughs> this is like people wouldn't want to be your friend if you ate like that in public. Get out of here. <laughs> uh, anyway, if anybody tries that croqueta, Stein, yes, I, ho- I hope they're toilet stricken for a week. <laughs> you, you hope. <laughs> you hope. You're not predicting. You just hope. Yeah. You wish that. Oh on. my god. Uh, should should we order some here? Oh, hell no. <laughs> After we bashed the hell right. out of it. Yeah, let's order some. Let's order some. All right. So we'll let you know if we end up doing that. Um, so anyway. Okay. So we are going to hear from our uh, episode sponsor, Drew Estate, before we come back and give you our parting recommendations. Introducing the Herrera Esteli Brazilian Maduro, which features a dense plantation-grown matafina wrapper over a Connecticut River Valley broadleaf binder with fillers from Nicaragua. Showcasing the floral and earthy Brazilian Matafina tobacco with unique texture 
the Herrera Esteli Brazilian Maduro is manufactured at La Gran Fabrica Drew Estate, blended by Willy Herrera and presented in five Vitolas. It's now available at Drew Estate retailers nationwide. And we're back. So as we end every episode, we are going to part ways with you, giving you our recommendations for things that you should eat, smoke, drink, read, watch, do. Eric, what you got? Me? Uh, so I don't know if you guys remember, but the last uh, podcast we did together, I asked for some recommendations on on uh, learning how to speak German in okay. three or four days. Uh, I got some recommendations, but I... I just forgot about all of it. And what I ended up doing, which, by the way, worked incredibly well for the most part, was using Google Translate on my phone. Google Translate, the app, allows you to do a conversation. Have you ever used this? No. Man, it works fairly well. In Hialeah? Dude, you can... <laughs> I, I was able to communicate with non-English speaking cab drivers very effectively using the conversation uh, mode of Google Translate. You still have to pronounce it though. No, it does it for you. Oh, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, you speak into the oh. you speak into your phone in English and then when you're finished it senses that you stop talking and then it talks to the guy in German. 114 Fabergé. Faubourg. Fabergé. <laughs> well, so this came in handy because in Germany they don't allow Uber. So okay. you have to speak to your cab driver and you have to tell him where you're going. Again, for the most part, that's fine. You're going from the uh, from the mess hall, which is the the where the Inter Tobacco show was. You're going from there to your hotel and back. And nobody, those are easy. The problem came that my sister Yami started to feel sick and I needed to go to a pharmacy. And so Google Translate may have saved Yami's life. Wow. Well, I don't know if it saved her life, but well, saved her from dehydration. Yeah. Well, but hey, you never know where that can go. So yeah. thanks, Google Translate. So, yeah, that thing was incredibly useful. I highly recommend it. Highly. Good stuff. Yeah. Ivan. Okay. Bring us home. I don't know if we ever thanked. I know you guys did on the um, unboxing videos, but I don't know if we ever thanked uh, Vertigo for these lighters that they hooked us up with. Yep. Because now we have a plethora of awesome lighters that we can use to light these cigars. So thanks to Vertigo, Fabian Barrantes. Uh, man, our cigars are nice and lit now. <laughs> nice okay. and lit. Nice and lit. Because it was a struggle. We have been faking it for the last <laughs> 90-something episodes of this podcast. Yeah, You have 17 lighters <laughs> at, your, at your disposal, and you just don't want to fill them. Okay, but so Fabian gave us pre-filled <laughs> okay, lighters. Pre-filled. Okay, but these are better. Okay, so thanks, thanks guys. Make no Fabian. Fabian. Thank you guys. Make no Fabian. We don't want refill cans. Uh, we want new lighters what else? <laughs> for when these run out. Another recommendation is check out that uh, that new issue that's, that's right out on the streets. Yes. The things kick ass. Been hearing so many good compliments about it. I'm super proud of it. Uh, go get it. It's our Mexico issue. Nick did a great job writing. Eric did a great job rating. Drinking mezcal. Yeah, man. It was, it's awesome. It looks great. No, so and, I mean, and we've talked about it, it a little bit before, but you, know, you mentioned being super proud of it. The photo shoot here is like one of the more different ones yeah. that yeah, we've it's, ever it's done. Awesome. The photo shoot was yeah. out of hand. I think it came out kick-ass. Like if this isn't the cover that stands out in your mind, then yeah. you're... I've heard that. So yeah, yeah go see it. Uh, and then my parting recommendation is a book. It's called A Life in Golf, Inspirations and Insights from Australia's Greatest Golfer. Peter Thompson. I didn't know 
Peter Thompson was Australia's greatest golfer, considering Greg Norman. Greg, yeah, Greg, yeah, yeah, Jason. When Day. you were reading it, I thought you were going to end in Greg Norman. Yeah, and instead you got Peter Thompson. Okay, but I was listening to some podcast and some guy recommended the book, and I uh, I read it. Uh, it's very very easy reading. Uh, he writes in like these short little, almost like bullet uh, point type like posts. It's almost like it's almost like a book of blog posts. Uh, on different topics from, you know, uh, he he won, I think, like two British Open. So like playing golf uh, in Britain or, or just growing up playing golf in Australia or strategy and, and how the game has changed and the equipment. I think it's a very good, very good book. I'd go out and check it out. So Cool. Okay. So with that, we are wrapping up. You can find past episodes of the podcast on cigarsnobmag.com slash podcast. You can listen to us on Google Play Music, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and a whole bunch of other things. Uh, follow us on social media at Cigar Snob Mag. Uh, and also, in case you didn't hear in the last episode, we have an ongoing raffle thing. Did we ever decide what the prize was in this Dolphins thing? No, but it'll be good. Okay, so there will be some kind of a prize, but we, we've already started to get some submissions, right? Uh we want you to we get have, on. We've gotten uh, quite a few. Yes, yeah, so we want you to get on Twitter. We want you to get on Facebook, wherever it is, and let us know how many points you predict the Dolphins will have accumulated, will have scored by the end of this NFL regular uh, no, season. No, scored against. Sco- oh, will have scored against them. I'm sorry. Yeah, 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 big yeah, difference. Yeah. Yes, big difference. Uh, so, how many points will have been scored against, or how many points will the Dolphins have allowed uh, by the end of the regular season in the NFL this year? Uh, for those of you who are not following, uh, the good money is smart money is on a lot of points. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, all right. With that, thanks for listening, and we will catch you next time. Later. Goodbye. Bye.